Hey y'all, it's your girl Afronomical, and today I'm going to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a couple of days, but I feel like I've experienced it all my life. And that phenomena is basically people condescendingly asking, well, what are you doing in response to you pointing out Um, oppression in response to you pointing out violence, racism, sexism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, xenophobia, whatever, whatever the phobia ism or thing is, whatever the oppression is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes on and on and on. Um, And the reason I wanted to make this episode in particular is because This is something that I know I've experienced it in my life and I know other people have too. And I know that we will just continue to experience this until the end of time. So I thought, you know what? Let me think about this honestly and earnestly. And this is what I came up with, right? This is the answer. What do I do? Well, I educate myself I try to educate other people I try to call out oppression when I see it I donate to well I donate to everybody like when I say I donate to homeless people on the street like I if if a homeless person comes up to me and asks me for money I just give it to them you know and even before I'm not saying this like because oh I think you know I'm the best person in the world I'm saying this to say if somebody is homeless and they're asking you for money and you know you have change give it to them literally just give it to them no i don't give a fuck if they're gonna go buy drugs with it they're homeless who cares who cares they are homeless they are homeless and you have no idea why they're homeless there are people that i've met um i once i once helped this organization like feed the homeless that were living in tents under a bridge in um Washington DC and you have no idea why somebody would be homeless you know like there are people who are professors there are people who were doctors who were lawyers who are homeless there are people that fought in wars who are homeless and I don't want to say that to justify elitism as if you know only people who make a certain amount in life matter but I, I say that because oftentimes people don't even care already about the poor and they only care about oh well what if that could be me which is in my point of view incredibly selfish but I digress um anyway going back to what I was saying yeah I give money to homeless people or anybody literally anybody that asks me for money on the street I will most likely give them some change um mostly because I also have like I always just have a lot of coins so I always and in the place that I live really the only type of coins that I regularly use are like quarters so I do not feel any type of way about giving people change on the street because I know they need it. So I will give them money. Um, the same goes for like donating to people. Like I regularly donate to several people to prevent them, um, to help them pay their rent, to help them get loved ones out of jail, you know, for bail funds for protesters, things like that. Uh, in addition to, like I said, trying to educate myself more, learning more, reading more, listening more. Um, but even that, you know, that's still not enough. And I, I will, you know, I definitely understand somebody telling me, well, that's not enough. You need to do more because I, I'm feeling that right now. I always, I've always felt that my entire life. Like everything I do is not enough. And um, that may just be a symptom of having a narcissistic parent or two narcissistic parents, which it definitely is. But that is also, you know, a symptom of living in America that tells you to work yourself to death at every, you know, option. Like everything you do isn't enough because you got to work, 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 work. But we're talking about like activism right now, right? The truth of the matter is what I've come to realize, like I sat down and I thought about this. I really, really thought about this. Nothing that is singular individual does will ever be enough and I want and I don't say that in a defeatist way I don't say that meaning oh meaning you should give up right like I feel like a lot of people reach that conclusion and they think oh well if nothing you know if nothing I do will ever be enough why bother right and this this is what I want to say 
to people who believe that, right? The whole point of understanding that nothing you as a singular person can do will ever be enough is to understand that you need to organize, you need to join a collective, you need to get as many people on your side and fight together because power's in numbers, right? Whatever your cause is, organizing will always be a solution that helps. There has never been a period in history where human beings have not organized for causes that they felt like were important. And now more than ever, I definitely do see the importance in organizing. However, we can also note that organizing culture and non-for-profit culture and, you know, tons of activist spaces are not necessarily healthy. And when I say healthy, I mean mentally. And the reason I say that is because when you are actually an activist, when you dedicate your life, or you not even just dedicate your life, when you decide to partake in activism for real, um, whatever that means to you, by the way, I, I, you know, when I was growing up, because I grew up during the age when social media became a thing, I have definitely seen a lot of critiques of social media activism, many of which I agree with and many of which I disagree with. So I will agree with people who say that sharing, you know, graphics on Instagram isn't exactly activism or that should not just be the basis of your activism. I feel like we should keep saying that, like it shouldn't end there. You know what I mean? Like when people talk down on social media activism, I get why. But at the same time, we also have to keep in mind that there are people in society who will never physically be able to participate the way that everybody else does. So if you are physically disabled, right, many protests may be inaccessible uh, to you until, you know, disabled organizers point that out, which they have many times that protests are largely inaccessible to them if they're a wheelchair user if they have mobility aids, uh, if they're blind, if they're deaf, like there are so many issues that come across, you know, when it comes to disabled, physically disabled people trying to um, participate in activism. And oftentimes they feel as though they're left out of the conversation because they are, because able-bodied people tend to ignore them in, in this, you know, in this fantasy that they have where marching is the only valid um, means of protest. Now, I say this because I remember once in one of my classes on campus a long time ago, we had to watch a video of some activist, I can't remember his name, but he was very critical of the civil rights movement at the time it was happening. He was a black activist, I think. Um, and he said pretty much that it would be unsuccessful because these marches were basically parades. And he said that true revolution, you know, cannot come just from a parade, which many radicals and many revolutionaries have basically stated the exact same thing. You know, if you think that protesting, like physically marching in the street and holding up signs is the end-all be-all when it comes to, uh, you know, activism, you're mistaken because that alone will not help people, for example, who are in prison. That alone will not help people who have been murdered by police brutality. That alone will not help people who are currently starving, who are being, you know, harassed by the U.S. military abroad and et cetera, et cetera. And again, I'm not saying this to discourage people from protesting because we always need people in the streets. But what I'm saying is, at the same time, as critical as we are of social media activism, because there are many ills to it, believe me, many ills. The fact that people don't fact check things, the fact that sometimes they spread literal propaganda for um, oppressive systems, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all valid critiques. But we have to understand that for some people, they will never physically be able to march. They will, um, or if they are physically able to march, maybe it won't be for a long time. Some people have legitimate physical and or mental disabilities that prevent them from being at protests. 
So if all they can do is read theory and share it with people, that is a lot. That is a lot and their contributions should be welcomed. Now, after saying that though, as I was talking about with the uh, marching, marching being a parade, I myself was pretty critical of um, the protest that I saw last summer, the summer of 2020, in in the name of George Floyd, primarily because I didn't, I did not see that many for Breonna Taylor. If there were any, I'm sure there were, but I did not see that many. But um, you know, I saw so many protests in the name of George Floyd. Which, you know, is a good thing. We should be talking about police brutality. However, like I said before, Breonna Taylor kind of got swept under the rug. And we already have a big issue in the Black community with people thinking that Black men are the sole victims of police brutality and completely ignoring Black women and Black girls and everybody else. So um, when it came to those protests... What I saw was, especially from people, I will say this is a very, this, I'm mainly speaking to my generation, people in their 20s, but I also saw it from everybody older than them too, so I don't even know if this just applies to young people. I saw people protesting with the sole intention of just to get a revolutionary picture, you know? Like, I saw people making, like, these pithy signs and just going to take a picture for Instagram and then posting all the protesters faces everybody was pro- protesting and videotaping at the same time and and so many seasoned activists have said do not do this because the police as we know have gone after um, the activists at Ferguson and used videos that people took at Ferguson protests to harm those protesters and many of them ended up dead So I remember I was messaging people on Instagram all the time during the summer of 2020, telling them to take down certain pictures, take down videos, or at the very least, like screenshot the picture and just put stickers over everybody's faces or blur it so that the cops would not be able to go after these people. And they didn't listen. And the reason that they didn't listen is because so many people felt like it was more important to show how down for the cause they were, how, you know... How, how much clout that they were getting, how, how woke they seem to be, even though I hate to, I hate to use the word woke, like, ironically now, because, you know, white people and non-black people really destroyed the meaning of that word. It was already destroyed for me, like, when it first came out. I thought it was the stupidest shit, but now it's doubly destroyed. Like, everybody, I think, on the planet Earth has stomped the word woke to death. But anyway, I was very critical of people who went to protest last summer solely with the intention of to get a revolutionary picture to you know basically just dance around and fool around or something that confused me the most was when people were holding hands and crying with the police or dancing with the police or like it was so stupid to me because this is what happens you know when you have a movement and there is no ideology for people to understand first this is what happens when people just go out into the street and like that one again i forget his name like that one black activist said a long time ago basically just have a parade if you do not know what you're protesting for you will be made a mockery of you will be made a fool of you know like white supremacists were using these examples to say oh well see there's no problem Then with racism in the community, there's no problem with police brutality. Look at the police hugging these people. Look at the police. And that's the thing about your oppressor. They will take these opportunities. They will take these moments to push their narrative. The police are oppressive to Black people. That is 100% without a doubt never going to change because the police are descendants of slave patrols that used to literally have the job of capturing enslaved Africans who managed to run away from their plantations. If that is the basis of your organization, you will never, it does not matter how many black cops you accept, it does not matter how many gay cops, transgender cops, Muslim cops you have, you will never be able to reform an organization whose primary goal was to always keep black people under the thumb of racism, under the thumb of white supremacy. You cannot reform that. And I think many people 
they haven't reached that state yet. They don't understand that. They still think that, oh, we can hold hands with the police. Well, what's wrong with dancing with the police? What do you mean there's no such thing as a good cop? Because so many people want to believe that their oppressors truly care for them, that their oppressors are capable of changing the system from the inside. I don't think there's a better way to explain this than a proverb I heard once. It's a Haitian proverb. When translated into English, it says, the hen and the roach only come to an agreement in the belly of the hen. Meaning, you will only come to some sort of quote-unquote agreement with your oppressors when you're being oppressed like they will not let you go under any circumstances because if they are a predator and you are the prey their goal is to hunt you they don't care about helping you they will never care about helping you yes even though some may feel guilty yes even though some may say they want to help at the end of the day if you are a police officer your main job is to harass the poor, it is to harass black people, it is to harass undocumented immigrants, it is to harass sex workers, it is to, you know, ignore there are so many people who have who have, you know, domestic violence disputes, so many women and they've called police officers and the police officers have either made it worse or just not helped in any way uh, you know, statistics keep, continue to tell us that 40% of police officers themselves are domestic abusers at home and perpetuate domestic violence against their spouses and that's not only just police officers i think the same goes for prison guards i think the same also goes for military members or ex-military members etc etc all imperialism all oppression is bad you know that whole thing but yeah as i was saying um the reason I'm speaking about this, well, what do you do thing, and I'm talking about all the modes of oppression and all the different types of protest, is because I keep reaching this conclusion, and I've reached, I've, I've reached this conclusion several times throughout my life, um, despite the fact that I'm fairly young. Voting in the United States of America, electoral politics, simply will not save anybody. And the people that it does save are merely the ruling class or people who have convinced themselves that they will be the ruling class one day, a.k.a. the bourgeois. Um, and the reason I say this is because once I became aware that the majority of presidents, American presidents in the past, had owned slaves, once I became aware that the first movie ever shown in the White House was A Birth of a Nation, The Birth of a Nation, which is a KKK white supremacist film. Once I realized that there were so many presidents who were segregationists, who did not want Black people to vote, who did not want Black people to have any money, who condemned Black people, who allowed the prison industrial complex to flourish, who allowed police officers to kill Black people with impunity, who bombed people overseas and blame those same people for you know dying after specifically going to their countries to steal their natural resources to steal you know their oil once i learned once i started to learn about the true history of the united states and believe me i'm not even that educated when i tell you political education about this country is never done i'm not even that educated and i can tell you right now the U.S. is not going to change through electoral politics. This country is rotten at its core, and it was founded that way. There is no way that a country in which millions of Native Americans were slaughtered and millions more were enslaved, and then, you know, millions of enslaved Africans were brought here and tortured, raped, beaten, etc., etc., there is just no way that a country that allowed that to happen and encouraged it to happen for so long to the point where we have the society that we have now, there's just no way for you to reform that using the tools that your master gives you. You know, you cannot take down the master's house with his tools, no matter how bad you want to. It just feasibly, it will not happen. And the reason I say this, not to be pessimistic, is because... History has shown us it will not happen. There have been tons of Black 
mayors. We have had so many black mayors. We have had so many black elected officials. We've had a fucking black president. I want everybody to sit with that for a second because Obama at the time, so many people had put hope in him both terms and they thought, hey, at least we have a black face in a high place. And yet look what happened. Black people were no better off under Obama than they were under a Republican president. And Obama didn't help black people really substantially in any way. Black people did not stop getting murdered underneath Obama. Um, Black poor people did not get really any much help underneath Obama. Obama literally went and condemned people who were in the street during Ferguson rioting because he said they were thugs and that they needed to pull up their pants. You know, a young black boy in his country was murdered and Obama was preaching respectability politics to teenagers and black people who were rightfully upset and had every right to be upset about what was going on in this country. And we still have every right to be upset about what's going on in this country. I find that black rage, maybe that's the answer. Maybe black rage has always been the answer because for me, in my point of view, rage gets shit done. And I will always default to the Haitian revolution model because Haiti freed itself. The only reason that Haiti is quote unquote poor right now is because France and the United States of America keep Haiti poor. It is not because Haitians are incapable of self-government. In fact, Haitians are so capable of self-government, they refuse any puppet regime that the United States or France tries to impose upon them. Hence why almost every single president they've ever had, they've killed. Because Haitians understand that if you really want a country that the people control, the people have to be at the foundation of the country. They have to be able to have a say in the country. They are the ones that have to build the society, not France, not the United States, not any outside power. Haitians have to build Haiti up, and they will. Because I believe in Black determinism, I believe in Black capability, and I know for a fact that Black people are capable of overcoming the modes of oppression. We've done it before, and we will do it again. But we have to understand that that will not happen unless we collectively work together. Unless all of us, that means Black people in the U.S., Black people in Haiti, Black people in Nigeria, Jamaica, Trinidad, uh, Guyana, you know, Black people in China, Black people in Singapore, Black Black people in Australia, wherever you live. Basically, um, a more Pan-Africanist approach. We need to understand that our oppression The one thing that we all have in common is that we are oppressed because we are Black. That is the one thing that does not change no matter what society you are in. You are being oppressed because you're Black. And you may have a compounding oppression on top of that. You may be oppressed because you're Black and a woman, Black and gay, Black disabled, Black and poor. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. But my point here is we need to come to the conclusion that our oppressors from the minute we were born have conceived this system for us to lose hope and for us to stop trying to be free. I constantly think about slavery because I knew that it took a lot of courage and it took a lot of hope for enslaved Africans to envision their own freedom, for them to take their own freedom. And many of them did take their own freedom, whether that be by suicide, whether that be by them running away until they were free, whether that be by helping organize the Underground Railroad. Black people all over the world, not just in the United States, but all over the world, in Brazil, in Jamaica, in Trinidad, in Nigeria, in South Africa, in every single part of the world that you can know that you know where black people were oppressed we organized ourselves and we have always organized ourselves in that that is the black radical tradition organizing amongst yourself in your community and finding others other like-minded individuals like you to help further your cause and to help procure freedom for your people by whatever means necessary you know that is the goal that is the goal we should always be striving towards 
But like I said, back to this question of what do you do? Well, like I said, I have, I've always been struggled. I've, I've struggled with this question my whole life. And I continue to struggle with it because I know people will continue to say, oh, well, you don't do enough. Well, you don't do this. Well, you don't do this. Um, and yet these same people think that casting a ballot once every four years or once a year for their local election does more than the actions of actual organizers and community activists, which it doesn't. You know, when you just vote for your elected representative and you do nothing beyond that, you have done nothing. And I think more people need to be aware of that. Voting itself is not the end all be all. Oh, and by the way, I also hate when people, I saw it a lot during the presidential election and it made me disgusted. People claiming and yelling at black people, guilt tripping them into voting saying, oh, well, your people died for the right to vote. Now, I wanna address this because not only is it disrespectful, but I think it is the most inhumane, guilt-tripping, just lily-livered thing to say to a Black person who has expressed their rage at living in a white supremacist society that will never value them to their fullest extent. Black people in America and everywhere else did not die for their right to vote. One, they were murdered, okay? People And because this is about the civil rights movement, let me just say African-Americans in this sense. African-Americans in the civil rights movement were campaigning for the right to vote. That is true. However, I want people to stop thinking that that was it. That's all they wanted. They just wanted to vote and then just go home. The whole point of campaigning for the right to vote, as well as all the other struggles that Black people in America and outside of America have you know, overtaken, just oh, gone through our whole lives, is to be seen as human. Voting was always meant as a stepping stone to being an American citizen because Black people in this country, in the United States, have never been treated as full American citizens, regardless of, you know, whether or not they were born here or not, which many of them are. I myself was. Black people in this country are not paid the same. Black people in this country are murdered at higher rates. Black people in this country are put into worse neighborhoods. Our schools have less funding. You know, our kids are growing up in the most polluted areas and becoming sick with diseases like asthma or maybe developing skin conditions like eczema from literal pollution in the air all over or developing you know diseases like cancer from pollution and other things or just you know genetically speaking having um being more genetically susceptible to certain diseases like heart disease or other things just because of the stress of living in this country it's legitimately killing us it has been killing us for centuries it is still killing us now my point is Voting was never the end all be all. I hate, I just hate how people try to guilt black people into electoral politics every single year by telling us that our people died for the right to vote. That's not true. They were murdered and they were trying to be seen as human beings. They did not just want to vote. They wanted to be full American citizens. They wanted people to understand that we are human. If you see some of the signs that people used to wear during the 1950s and 60s, during the Million Man March, their signs did not say, I am a voting man. Their signs said, I am a man. Black people constantly have to assert our humanity. That that was the whole intention behind Black Lives Matter in the beginning. Now, I have many critiques of Black Lives Matter. I only have a limited amount of time on here, though, so I don't think I'll be able to get into all of them. But the point is of saying Black Lives Matter and the point behind saying I am a man, I am a woman, I am a human being, um, all of these things were to say that Black people are human, that we have humanity, that you should not be killing us like dogs in the street. We are human beings capable of thinking for ourselves, capable of self-governing, capable of being good loving parents, capable of succeeding and helping 
those around us succeed. That is the point. That is the point. Electing officials was never the end all be all. And we have seen throughout history how many black officials get elected into government and either one can't do anything because their hands are tied due to racists or B don't try to get anything done regardless because they never wanted to. So many, you know, I find that a lot of people um, just automatically assume that just because somebody is black, they have the best interests of black people at heart. And it took, you know, both of Obama's terms for me to get this through my head. But just because a black plate, a black face, sorry, excuse me, just because a black face is in a high place does not mean that it is going to help other black people. Um, There are so many black people, for example, who are conservative. There are tons of black conservatives who don't want to help black people at all, who think that black people are too whiny or that racism isn't an issue and that we should just ignore it and that we should pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and white people never do anything to me, blah, 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 blah. Plus, there are black rich people whose, you know, they, they do not live the same lives as the black underclass, the black working class, the black poor. So they will never be able to relate to them, nor do they have the same interests. Like, black poor people are more likely to want complete freedom because they experience so much oppression. Whereas black ruling class people, black people in the 1%, are less likely to, to want that because then they would have to give up their wealth. Then they would have to be faced with the fact that in order to get wealthy in this country means to exploit other people, whether that means here or abroad, in order to be a billionaire or a millionaire or any other type of you know heir means to underpay people if you have a company. It means to steal wages from people. It means to literally own sweatshops in you know, the global South. And that's something else that we have to contend with. Not all Black, um, if you are a Black American person, or if you are a Black person that grew up in America, you have to understand to some extent, um, I don't want to say you have privilege, because this is a hard thing. In a sense, you do have privilege living in America, and you also don't, because we understand that Black people are the most, well, not the most oppressed, well, no, yeah, Black people are the most oppressed in American society, because the foundation of the society was legitimately slavery, but at the same time, um, you as an American, you have a uniquely American point of view on a lot of things, and you don't seem to understand that when people in other countries are talking about how much they dislike the American military, it's not because they want they're saying oh you guys are mean it's because the american military destroyed their countries it's because the american military bombed them into smithereens is causing you know their entire population to have birth defects for decades you know it's because the american military robbed them of self-governance it's because the american military implemented um a puppet regime and you know, then points to these countries as, oh, they're failed examples of self-governments, despite the fact that they're not even governing themselves, or at the same time, the American government or the American military, for example, will start a war in a country. Mostly what I've noticed the American military will do in the case of South Vietnam and South Korea is that they will fund the military in both those countries. They will give uh, money to the militia, They will give uh, money to more, so that they have more equipment, so that they have more um, weapons, and basically instigate a war between the North and the South. They did this in North Korea and South Korea, did the same in North and South Vietnam, and forced the Southern part of the country to basically kill the Northern part of the country. And the Northern part of the country tends to be the part that wants to be free from American imperialism. And, you know, the United States will label the northern part of these countries as communist. And then, you know, for such a long time in America, communist has been such a bad word. And it still is to some extent. Like, there are still so many people who think that communism is evil because American popular media and America in general dislikes communism because communism and socialism do not hold the same... They do not hold exploitation in the same regard as capitalism. Like, underneath capitalism, exploitation is a given. That is the whole point. 
of capitalism. That's why your boss makes a dollar while you make a dime because you are the worker. Your, your labor is constantly going to be exploited to make your boss rich. American capitalists hate communism and socialism because underneath these um, types of governments, exploitation cannot exist, you know, and people's common needs will be met. People will have free housing. People will have affordable or free medication. People will have affordable or free food. Everybody will be able to live in relatively, you know, everybody might not be wealthy and they might not be, you know, we might not have mansions and we might not have like gold cars and whatever, but everybody would be able to live in relative peace because once you take care of their basic needs, well then everybody has at that point, you know, nobody's struggling for housing so there would be no poverty. Nobody's struggling for food so there'd be no starvation. Nobody's struggling for, um, you know, medicine so there would be a healthier, less sick population. Education would be a central part of everything. So people would be more educated, more literate, more well-read. And generally, there would be no crime because if everybody's basic needs are met, there's no need to steal. Now, I know what I'm describing sounds like a utopia. And people will always say, oh, well, that works in theory, but it doesn't work in practice. And honestly, I might agree with you. But The only reason I disagree with that is because, like I said before, the only reason it doesn't work in practice is because America is committed to making sure that it doesn't work in practice. Anytime there is an uprising in the global south, whether that be in, you know, Chile, Venezuela, um, Vietnam, the Koreas, etc., 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 wherever, whenever there is an uprising somewhere that is not the global north or um the west america goes out of their way to send their military over there and to demonize these people we've demonized them in the media we've demonized them um through books through you know political cartoons through tv shows through songs you know when 9-11 happened the american media basically made every brown person who wore a turban whether they were hindu muslim or not into a terrorist and that is the power of the american media that is why we need people to actively resist and to actively educate themselves to understand that in this country you are being told lies you're being fed lies constantly you are being told things that are not true and warped perceptions of other people you know so many americans think that outside of this country everybody in the world is just starving And everybody is just like, you know, living in complete poverty and just basically, I don't know, killing themselves or whatever. And the funny thing is, most people who live in other countries think that about this country. They're just like, this country has so much poverty, you know? And despite the fact, the thing is though, America has paraded itself around as the most, uh, the greatest country in the world or the most free country in the world or the et cetera, et cetera, the most whatever superpower in the world despite again waging war on its own citizens black people women disabled people mentally disabled people physically disabled people poor people the list goes on and on and on and on and on the point i'm trying to make here is that america will always be an oppressor it will always be an oppressor reformism isn't going to save us electoral politics isn't going to save us and i know what you're thinking why do you keep denouncing all these things then so what's your solution what do you do you see how we keep coming back to that what do you do the thing the only thing you can do like i said is the most that you can so you help out in any way that you can you educate yourself you educate other people you organize, you give money to protesters, you, if you can protest, you protest, you give money to bail funds to get people out of jail. You have to understand that there is no one solution to oppression. When I was younger, I had um, a gym teacher. When I started getting very big into social justice and very big into activism, and he told me once that I carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and that I can't do that because it'll crush me, right? 
And I constantly think back to this. I constantly think back to this all the time. And he's right because, you know, I as a single black woman cannot carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I will say that black women have often expressed their discontent and they are definitely right to express their discontent with constantly being made the made um the mules of movements you know there's constantly this idea of black women will save us black women are superheroes the strong black woman stereotype and it's like no black women are people we still bleed we still cry we still need to eat we still shit and pee and we're still tired at the end of the day we're tired from being mothers from being sisters from being organizers from being activists from being teachers from being chefs from being drivers from being cooks from being cleaners for being prison abolitionists from being from literally being human beings to like whatever it is that you do what even if you don't do any of the things i just listed whatever it is that you do you as a black woman are still valid to feel however you want to feel about that you know and i find that like i said this is my problem with so many orgs they push people to burn themselves out and the thing is when you push people to burn themselves out you lose people in the cause you know like more people become jaded within their cause and the reason i said that thing about my gym teacher and what he told me is because i have to accept that the modes of oppression that exist right now most likely will not you know end even by the time that i die you know like i'm not so I don't think, for example, that racism will be solved by the time that I pass away, whenever that may be. I don't think sexism is going to go away anytime soon. I don't think ableism, classism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, etc., etc., etc. I don't think any of those things feasibly will go away because they took centuries to create. So most likely they're going to take a while to dismantle. You know what I mean? But I have faith that with each coming generation people are becoming more and more aware and hopefully one day there will be a time where maybe none of these things exist at all and that you know like i said there was these things are not inherent they're not these are not like realities of the world you know like men are not born being sexist they're socialized to be sexist white people aren't born racist they're socialized to be racist rich people aren't born classes they're socialized to be classes and etc 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 every single human you know oppression was made by humans so that means that it can be dismantled by humans and that is my one hope i think that keeps me going that no matter what no matter what you do even if you agree even if you disagree just do something you know what i mean just do something do what you can and don't make Don't let other people make you feel bad for doing what you can because at the end of the day that's all we can ask from from people really to do what they can and to support the cause. You know what I mean? Now, if supporting the cause though is causing you mental stress and it is causing you, you know, to lose sleep at night, you may need to take breaks. You need to step away sometimes. And this is something I regularly taught myself you know like you need to be able to understand that you cannot you by yourself cannot solve the world's problems nor should you be expected to you're not a superhero you're not superman batman etc 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 you're just a person but there will always be other people to pick up where you left off you know what i mean we are not alone we do not exist in a vacuum we have each other and we will always have each other as long as we remember strength in numbers is what keeps us going so yeah i think that's all i wanted to say i think i got it all out there because yeah that that statement what do you do really it just grinds my gears you know and because people usually say it to people who do more than they do you know what i mean like If you think voting is the only way that you can contribute to your community, you're wrong. You know, you should be doing much more than voting. And even if all you do is vote, you should still be trying to educate yourselves on who you vote for. You should still be holding your representatives accountable. You should still be calling them, emailing them, showing up at their house, showing up at their meetings or uh, wherever their constituents 
are allowed to be and holding them accountable because if you just vote and you just walk away you did nothing you know you did nothing at all other than put somebody in power who is making life bad for either you know people in this country or people somewhere else and when i was talking about american exceptionalism um before i don't know if i mentioned that actually when i was speaking about the american way of disregarding people who live in other countries who live in economic systems or have things in place that we don't have i often find that um you know americans like i said they love to compare themselves to these people and say oh but look at the way they only have like one brand of cereal in the supermarket or look at the way they only have this brand of cars or this or this or this because we've become we've become so used to overconsumption in this country that we ignore the fact that maybe it's better to have one brand of cereal and you know one brand of car or one brand of sneaker or whatever versus 10 brands of cereal, 10 brands of cars, 10 brands of sneakers that are actually owned by the same three companies, you know? The illusion of choice is something that's very American and I think that reflects how I feel about electoral politics. I think that time and time again the Democratic Party and the Republican Party have both shown that they don't care for black people. They've both shown to disregard women. They've both shown that they don't really care about um gay people, transgender people, poor people, people in prison, etc. and etc. Yet people think, "Oh, but they're different because one is blue and one is red or one acts nicer than the other." I find that in America, people value the politeness of politicians over them actually passing legislation and actually helping people to get things done. So, yeah. I think that's all I have to say for now. You know, this was a very long episode and I didn't even mean it to be, but I just went all over the place and honestly, yeah, I just I just feel a type of way because people constantly expect black people to just have the answer to everything. You know, and I think that's why I got so deep into activism like as a child and when I started to learn so much about it because I did want to have an answer. I did want to know what to say when people asked me, "So what should we do?" but you know like these these again like i said these are systems that have existed for centuries before we were born and they will probably exist for a couple you know who knows who knows how long they'll exist for after we go so we just have to keep our faith we just have to keep doing what we can and rejecting these systems of oppression we have to keep our heads straight and remember that it's not just about financial security for one people for one person or one person's family or one generation of people you know i think a lot of people my age now that they're approaching their 20s are trying to become stable especially now during throughout the pandemic when so many people have been not only killed but killed by the virus died by the virus disabled by the virus um pushed into poverty or homelessness by the virus and there's still so many people who are like either aspiring middle class, working class or, you know, just in the 1% who are just trying to ignore it all and I'm like, no, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse until we address the systems of inequality that this country perpetuates, you know? And they're not going anywhere and as long as the pandemic goes on, they're just going to get worse. So, instead of looking to symbolic gestures, you know, instead of looking to black faces in high places or just representational politics. We need to start demanding that something get done. We need to start helping people um avoid eviction. We need to start demanding that rent stabilization be a thing, that controlled rent um rent stabilized buildings be a thing, that student loan payments, student loans need to be abolished first of all. The police need to be abolished as well. We need to get rid of the things that are causing so much division in society that are causing so much oppression in society and replace them with things that we know statistically have worked in other countries and will work in our country but it takes a lot of courage to not only understand these things but to understand these things accept them as the truth and constantly tell people about it i think that's a big part of the what do you do that i also wanted to address 
I am tr- constantly trying to change people's minds and get them to understand that there are alternative ways of living, that it doesn't have to be like this, and that we can imagine a radical future. And I think that that is still important. Whether or not you think that's important is beyond the point, because at the end of the day, the first thing you have to change in order to have any type of revolution is your mindset. You cannot go in to an activist space or a revolutionary space or any type of space that you know demands change with the same old mindset that you had when you came in. You need to be open to understanding that people live differently than you do. You need to be open to understanding that people have different modes of protesting, that people have different ways of, of um, educating themselves, of different ways of educating others that are different from your ways and whether or not they're good or bad you know you can you can debate about that you can criticize that whatever but you just need to know that the first thing you change is your mind then you try to help other people change their minds then you change your reality we should always be working to change our reality and i hope that we reach that one day you know i really do think that a society where everybody is treated equally it can exist you know it sounds like a fantasy but it can exist and i'm sure that it can i'm sure that it has existed before in time and i'm sure that it will exist again but people just have to understand that in order for it to exist everything must radically change none of the systems that we currently have you know underneath patriarchy underneath sexism racism classism homophobia transphobia ableism etc none of those systems will support people you know those are so that one group of people can get to the top and others have a dangling carrot in front of their face saying well maybe if you just did this maybe if you worked hard like this you know i find the exceptionalist myth is the main thing that drives the american dream this idea that if maybe you worked harder that it's that hyper individualism maybe if you did something by yourself your life wouldn't have turned out that way and i think that's a lot easier for many americans to swallow rather than the way that our world our well not our world but the american society the united states the way that the united states is shaped is fundamentally oppressive the way that the united states functions is fundamentally oppressive and we have to combat that in any way that we can Although actually, no, I, the world is oppressive, actually. Like, I will say that, like, no matter what society you exist in, there is oppression in your society. And if you don't think that there is, you're either too privileged to actually, you know, know what's going on or you're just not paying attention because sexism exists everywhere. Racism exists almost everywhere. Ableism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, etc., etc. Anywhere where there is inequality, oppression exists and inequality exists everywhere in society so it is our job as global citizens to do whatever we can to fight that so you do what you can when you can and that's all you can do really <laughs>